Hello and welcome to the Crack Beer Community Podcast. I'm your host Brian, and in this episode of the Brewmaster series, I'll be joined by John Allen, head brewer at Wicklow Wolf. If you're not familiar with the Brewmaster series, this is one for the home brewers and the beer geeks. We invite a head brewer to fully break down the beer recipe of one of their signature brews from start to finish. We also provide a home brew recipe, so if you're a home brewer, you can have a bash at brewing it yourself. This episode sees us analyse Wicklow Wolf's Apex Oatmeal Stout in full detail, talking through everything from its water profile, grain bill, mash and hopping schedule, all the way through to fermentation and packaging. This episode will be slightly different to our previous podcast episodes as it was recorded during a live online event that we hosted previously. We shared the recipe on screen as we chatted through it, so you may hear some references to that. Unfortunately, we can't do that on the podcast for obvious reasons, but the recipe is available to download through the Crack Beer Community website. So please feel free to check it out there, I'll pop the link in the show notes. Wicklow Wolf have been at the forefront of the Irish beer scene since 2014. They moved into their purpose-built, state-of-the-art brewery, located in Newtown, Mount Kennedy, County Wicklow, in 2019. This has seen them grow from strength to strength, with them now boasting an extensive core range, while also managing to release an impressive amount of limited edition brews every year. The brewery features an excellent taproom, delicious coffees and a brilliant brewery tour. Sustainability is at the heart of everything that they do. From growing their own hops and barley that are used in their limited edition Locavore project brews, right up to installing over 120 kilowatts of solar panels that cover the entirety of their brewery roof, they aim to reduce their footprint as much as possible. If you're not already familiar with Apex, it's a 6.5% full-bodied and full-flavoured oatmeal stout. It's bursting full of fresh roast coffee and milk chocolate flavours with a delicious creamy smoothness to it. It's quite simply a beautiful beer. I won't delve into John's background, I'll let him do the honours. I begin by asking him to introduce himself and to tell us a little bit about Wicklow Wolf. Yeah, thanks Brian, uh, and it's a pleasure to be here. It's always fun to do these things. So happy to happy to talk about our beer, Wicklow Wolf. It's always, uh, it's always good to see the people enjoy it. Um, so yeah, for me, I've been head brewer at Wicklow Wolf now for about, just coming up on three years. It'll be three years in January. So I started in started 2019, uh, pre-pandemic days. When the world was a different place altogether. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm here for three years now. I joined Wicklow Wolf just as they were building their new brewery in Newtown and Kennedy. So I would have came in just as suppose the building was being done. Um, so I had a chance to come in and um, you know put my stamp on the on the equipment and the layout and the setup of the brewery and how we were going to you know, do all the fun things like get water connected and uh, electricity, gas, all the things that, as you can imagine, are not easily done. <laughs> but um, yeah, but that that's that I've been in the site. You know, we've we've converted all of our beers over from the old brewery in Bray and adapted them all to the new equipment, and then brought in a couple of new beers, changed some of the existing, and brought in some new beers. Apex being one of them, which is kind of an eleva- an, ev- an evolution of um, Blackbird Porter, which we had uh, brewed in Bray quite a lot and was quite well liked. Uh, we just brought up the you know want to do something a bit bigger, a little bit more impactful that we could kind of then. Also uses a platform for branching out into bigger, even bigger beers and imperial stouts. And you know, as people are probably aware, we have a whole range of apex-based beers. Um, not too tightly fixed to the apex recipe, but taking that as our starting point and inspiration, and then going on from there. Um, 
before that, before working with the Wolf, uh, you know, for my pleasure or displeasure for six years, I was with the uh, with uh, Brewdog over in Scotland. So joined them somewhere towards the start of their rise and uh, got on that roller coaster for six years. And uh, it was just that it's uh, it's as it's crazy and as as hectic as you might imagine. But uh, incredible experience. Uh, you know, worked with some amazing brewers, amazing people in general. You know, it takes an awful lot of phenomenal people to really. Uh, grow business like that like so it was fantastic to opportunity to have um that was not the start of my brewing career but i started off actually in um, not so much brewing but you know in the drinks industry with the working in innovation with diageo in just outside london it was just kind of a contract job that i got after my brewing qualification so that was working on things like uh, how to make smirnoff ice cheaper or how to make smirnoff ice more consistent or coming up with the new drinks it was fun there was a lot of new things like you know trying to just you know, do so much resource to try to come up with lots of mad drinks and mad ideas um and you'd also be asked to come up with mad ideas and, and, and mad drinks and, con- and follow concepts so it wasn't exactly brewing but it was definitely interesting to see inside the kind of the development of drinks from a beast of a company like that and again got to work with some great people very intelligent people and do some did some interesting stuff which was good if I have a science background that would use more of my science background than my, my, my brewing background which I didn't actually have at that stage because I hadn't worked in a brewery um, from there I uh, moved into London and I worked with Fullers in, uh, in Chiswick for just over a year so I worked split my time between the lab and then just working in the cellar which kind of as a junior brewer kind of entry level brewing job but again got to use my science background in the lab and learned an awful lot about the technical side of beer and particularly how to troubleshoot beer and reverse engineer uh, problems and how you use analytical tools and analytical processes to to find out you know if you have an issue what that issue is and and learned about you know keeping tight specs on a beer and consistency and, and, the, and the things you need to to analytically wise to be able to get that consistency and get the information you need um, so that was an incredible experience and my first real exposure to cast beer you know which is as an Irish person is always going to be a, a unique experience there's a lot of people uh, a lot of people look down in cast but I think uh, last 10 or 15 years more and more people have come to appreciate it and I, I definitely did when I worked there it's a very interesting way of brewing uh, very interesting way of drinking beer and you know Fullers are very traditional, um, but did try and push the envelope a little bit. The first dry hop beer I ever really saw or was involved with was at Fullers. You know, now it wasn't very heavily dry hop, but it was a little, a little, a little tickle of hops into the into the FV. But great experience to to work there and was three hundred year old brewery, I think, or maybe even more. Um, so it was yeah, it was cool. It was a good place. Um, then from there I went to Australia and I worked for a company called Little Creatures. We were now bought by uh, Line Nathan, Nathan, who were run by Asahi. And actually they have, you can now, they now make their beer in London, weirdly. So by, I think it's four people run by them as well. So the beer I was making in Australia has now been made in London, you know, from way back when. So it's funny, the circle of beer, it's quite small. and Funny how things just come back around like that, both people and, you know, instances like that. So I worked there for just about a year and a half. And uh, they, it was just when they, they were announced that they were being bought out um, you know, I saw that Brewdog were looking for people for their new brewery in Scotland and pretty much the exact same size of brewery and similar type setup. So I figured my experience at Little Creatures would match well with going there and did. You know, it was a big, big help to be able to hit the ground running. Um, and then while there, that, that place just exploded and I was thrown in at the deep end of many different projects and trying to figure out how to do all these strange beers, but at a large scale, which is 
you know, it's one thing putting lots of fruit or hops into a small volume of beer, but when you have to try and do the same thing on a much larger scale and then, you know, the logistics of it and, you know, if you get something in, it has to come out and you know, it's, it's a, it definitely was a challenge and got to come up with some new, new ways of doing things and developing equipment to be able to, to be able to do that. You know, it was really, it was really, really interesting. As the, you know, the pace is insane, but you know, that's, 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 that's just, a, that's just Brewdog. <laughs> So I worked all around the world, but never never worked in Ireland. And uh, you know, it's got to got to know the guys here at Wicklow Wolf and saw what they were doing. And particularly when I saw the the, the investments they were making in the equipment, like we have phenomenal brew house here. It's it's absolutely top notch. You know, it's probably better than the technology wise, better than the brew house that I walked into at Brewdog. And uh, you know, it means we can make a lot of really great beer very very consistent, very very consistently. And uh, you know the equipment allows us to make good beer, and the, the combined with the brewers that we have, um, and we, gives us a lot of insight into the process. So we we can make very fine adjustments uh, and really get the best out of the beer. So you know, adapting all of our beers from Braid here was hard and easy. Hard in that, you know, it's very hard to move one beer from from one very different type of manual brewery to a bigger brewery. But we knew that the equipment could only make the beer better. You know, it's it's hard to not make a better beer. Now it was different, but the, we were looking for differences, and we were looking for improvements, and we were looking for the next level in all of our beers. So we redeveloped a lot of beers, and we introduced a lot of new ones, like like Apex, and you know, kind of gone from there. You know, moved out into different styles as the trends and and, and wants have changed in Ireland. Um, and for me, I did a lot of barrel aging at Brewdog, and it was something that was really interesting, and you know, got a lot of exposure. So it was great to be able to do that here. Uh, Wicklow Wolf and really uh, have that as a big focus and you know we kind of started modeling ourselves to be known for our darker beers you know which is something that we saw that no one was, not many breweries really do but you know I have a passion for darker beers and and so do the guys uh, here as well so and it's like I said to you earlier it's so diverse you can do so much with with darker beers whether it be you know anything from barley wines and brown ales to big imperial stouts you know the, the 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 selection of ingredients you can use uh, is phenomenal. Uh, yeah. So it's great to be able to, and yeah, and Apex kind of the beer we're talking about today. You know that's kind of all of our beers are kind of rooted in that beer. So when we moved here, we wanted to focus on making uh, a really really good oatmeal stout, something that wasn't just kind of a an easy drinking five percent stout. Uh, we wanted something with a bit more kick to it, uh, a bit more versatile. I think for when you want to move up to. A, do uh, higher ABVs and do strange ingredients, um, but still very enjoyable and very very pleasant. So it's been an evolution over the last two or three years of that. Okay, so Apex then itself, you, you kind of touched on. You already have a bit of a, a love for the darker beers. Um, what I suppose the, the beer itself, the beer style. Um, what would be typical of it? Like what what should we be tasting? What are the kind of general characteristics of a of an oatmeal stout? Yeah, so um, an oatmeal stout, we've kind of, the ABV range can be quite broad. You know, you can have something at a lower range, around the 4 four uh, four 5%, no problem. Uh, we decided to go for a slightly higher ABV. It means that you're having to put more malt in. It's given more depth of flavor and, bit, and it allows you to get a bit more body into the beer as well. So, and that being one of the main features of the beer is that you want it to have a soft mouthfeel, good sweetness, good a good body. And we, so we use quite a bit of oats uh, to get that. And we also were trying to, like for people, if they're really paying attention, they might have noticed how when we first started doing the beer a few years ago versus now, it's not as bitter as it would have been or roasty as it would have been in the past. We were kind of 
taking Black Pearl as the base and then trying to evolve that into a, an oatmeal style. So bit by bit, we're making adjustments. And what we're really looking for and what we're really happy with now is we're looking for that nice soft palate, medium bitterness, medium to low. The, the medium bitterness balanced nicely with the sweetness. A little, we're kind of leaning a bit more into some of the roasted malts for the bitterness, which gives you a little bit more of a, you know, that burnt toast type bitterness as well as the hot bitterness, but, you know, not trying to have too much of one, uh, you know, trying to keep it in, in the middle. And then we use quite a bit of um, chocolate wheat, so dehusked, um, uh, dehusked uh, dark malt. So again, you're not getting as much of the astringency from from the malt as you would with a say a black malt or a coffee malt that that's a husk malt. Uh, you know, a little bit more of a softer chocolatey note. Um, and we're using the we one of the more recent additions we put in to really kind of boost that caramel chocolatiness is a uh, brown malt. So slowly bringing down the roast malt a bit. And then really pumping in a bit more of the chocolate wheat and the, the brown malt for us is, has been a, a great success in that it really gives it that nice kind of mocha colored head, which I really like. I just think it looks really, really appealing in the you know in darker beers. So so now we've got that soft mouthfeel, medium bitterness, good body, good sweetness, but still with that kind of a bit of a roasty bite to it that kind of cuts through that sweetness. And then for us, one of the big parts, one of the big things in this beer is that we use it's quite unique as well is like we use sriracha ace, sriracha ace in uh, in the whirlpool now sriracha ace is one of the more interesting hops out there and sadly it's kind of dying off because it is so polarizing um it kind of goes one of two ways so i've done it i've used it before in lighter beers and it comes across very much like dill or i get it as very much as dill which isn't necessarily very pleasant in a, in a beer um but in darker beers it's very much lots of coconut you know it's really really nice chocolatey coconut in darker beers and kind of really leans into the sweetness of an oatmeal uh, an oatmeal stout uh, but then gives us some a nice little twist like you know it's kind of coconut and a little bit kind of a but dark fruits as well you know so it really helps to push the beer in, in that direction whereas traditional stouts might have things that are maybe a little bit more herbal a little bit more earthy, you know, so we're trying to avoid that. We do have um, a bit of Bravo for, uh, just for bitterness, um, but very, it's a very, it's quite a low addition, you know, as you can see on, it's a 40 IBU on the, uh, on the recipe, you know, which is quite low, but then there's more bitterness coming from the malt, which really kind of pops up, but they do balance each other nicely, as opposed to, if you have a lot of roast malt, it's very stringent and dry, and we wanted to avoid that. We wanted a nice, relatively sweet beer, but not sticky and sweet, like maybe like a pastry stout or something like that. Trying to hit that that middle ground. Yeah, uh, so that's that's, that's what we're aiming for on our oatmeal stout. Like and, you know, again, like I said, dark beers, all the different styles that you can push them in lots of different directions. But we're kind of going for that easy, uh, easier drinking, sweet, um, chocolatey kind of base, um, and then that interesting coconut kick from the from the strachy for me is a great. I really enjoy that. I really enjoy the the the, the twist that that gives. And it may be not noticeable for everyone, but I think when you explain it to people and then they try the beer, they can then, like a lot of beer flavors, if you explain to someone what flavors you're trying to get in and are, are in there, then they'll pick up on them. You know, it's kind of, ah, I get that now, I get this. Or they just lie to you and say that. <laughs> <laughs> it did surprise me. So Sriracha Ace will be, it's a hop I love. And obviously it makes sense now. That's why I like the beer so much. Hmm. Usually, I have a pretty good detector for it. I, I, if for example, in like Hope Handsome Jack straight away, I'd be like, "Oh, Strachey yeah. Ace there." Even in the, I think it was your Wildfire, the Red, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you had it in for like straight away detected. When you sent through the recipe for this, I was like, "Oh my god, how did I not cop there was Strachey yeah. Ace in it?" And like, as soon as you said it, now I'm like, "Oh my god, it's like it's." Stay front and center, like I'm kicking yeah. myself. How, how did I not cop it? <laughs> That's it. It just blends so well with the with the chocolatey uh, side of the beer. 
and the darker and there's so much going on in darker beers anyway you know the 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 line between the hops and the malt is far more blurred and kind of you know separate or expanded out like you know it's very blurred in the middle whereas the paler the beer is it's kind of malt the malt and the hops you know they're two very separate entities you know working hand in hand but whereas this is the two combined together which you don't get a lot in in, in paler beers and then sriracha is like it's it's not it's to be honest before i i, I started working with wolf i was not a fan of it at all mainly because i don't ever use this i think it was a lager we used to do brew dog that had it and maybe a couple of pale beers and it's just dill. It's just all like dill, and I just don't I hate dill. And so when I came here and joined the guys, I told them that. <laughs> I was like, I don't like sriracha. At the time, Wildfire was called sriracha. And actually, when I came over to talk to the guys about working here, we went out and had a bite to eat and had a couple of couple of uh, pints of, of sriracha. And I was like, you know what? This is not the sriracha as I've ever known it. And I never used it or had it in a beer like that. And it's really, I'm, I've gone a full 180 on it now. I'm a big, a big fan of it in that style of beer. I just think it, it punches far above its weight and compared to a lot of other hops. It's hard to get a hop that shines in a dark beer. And this this one does. But uh, but it is like it, it's, it is dying off. People like, you know, brewers aren't really using it um, anymore. There's lots of so many different varieties coming out that it's going to be, it could start to become tricky to get our hands on. Um, but there are lots of other new hops that are coming through that have, have that coconut side of things that we, we're looking for in, our, in, 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 in this beer. Um, there's lots of hops coming with that element, but instead of it being coconut and dill, it may be coconut and maybe tropical fruit or coconut and, and passion fruit. It's like, you know, a different kind of a dark, dark fruit. So it's leaving the dill behind. So if we do need to change in the future, there's, I have a couple of ideas of different hops we can use to, to maybe even be more impactful than, than the Sriracha. But when we're on the day we're brewing it, like if no one told me what's going on in the brew, as soon as I walk in the door, you know, it's either Apex or Wildfire, just from the smell coming off the brew house from the Sriracha. It's it's so pungent and it's so distinct compared to every other hop, like, which is yeah, is an interesting thing about it. So let's see now. I'll get this, um, I'll share this up on screen and we'll start yeah. to to talk through. So we've kind of adapted this for um, for the, for a homebrew style recipe. Uh, we're going for 23 litres. So our original gravity, you're aiming for about 1065. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it's... We're trying, you know, it's relatively high, and then we're trying to finish the beer relatively high, that kind of 17, uh, you know, 10, 17, keep that sweetness and that, that body in it. Um, tends to finish a little bit higher than that in reality, but it can get down to there. Like, so it's kind of a, uh, depending on how the brew goes, like they, with a malt bill as complex as that, it can vary from batch to batch in terms of how well the runoff goes and the extract you get. You know, it's uh, it's not the hardest beer we make, but it, it's definitely, uh, each time you do it, it it can it can go slightly off off plan, or what you think it's going to do, but uh, kind of just the nature of the grist build that's in it. Sure. Well, then, yeah, I suppose let's 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 jump right into that then. So we've got what am I looking at? Seven different grains, is it? Pale ale malt was is the majority. Then we're looking at some pale chocolate, our um, our Chateau Cafe Light, our Chateau Roasted Barley. Uh, some cara ruby, some brown malt, and some flaked oat malt as well. I know yeah, you touched sure. on some of these already as we were chatting, but what what what's what's going on here? What's this kind of combination doing for the beer? Yeah, so you can you can see from the malt bill here what I was saying about what we're trying to achieve in terms of get that really nice dark chocolate, chocolatey flavor, not too much roast. Like the roasted barley, you will see there that was three percent. It would have been double that maybe when we started, maybe even a bit more. Um, so kind of that's where we've dialed that back down, and so from the that's really the only what I would call heavy dark malt that we have in it. You know, the, the, uh, the pale chocolate, everything else after that is a 
good couple of degrees down the scale in terms of intensity with that roastiness and even the color. But then, you know, we're using a variety of other um, darker malts from the, the pale chocolate to the to the caribou and the brown malt. So you're kind of getting chocolate, you're getting bits of caramel, you're getting biscuit as a little bit of biscuit as well from the from the brown malt. So that's what gives it the depth of flavor. You know, for me with dark beers, you need to use a, a good palette of different speciality malts to give you the kind of rounded flavor and the depth of flavor that you you want to have in these in the in these beers and then we have the oats in there you know it's an oatmeal stout you can't have, not have the oats but again oats used in lots of different beer styles now and it's great for that kind of smooth mouthfeel and a little bit of extra body as well i've done lots of stouts with even more malts than this and it's kind of a great thing about for me anyway for doing dark beers especially the big ones you can throw as many different malts as at it as you want you just have to be careful of the really heavy dark ones um but you know all these different specialty malls from the from the lighter to the dark, they all bring their own things to it. And it gives you just like, you know, it gives you a great complexity. And, and I keep saying it's complexity and depth of flavor, you know, and which is what you want in a, in a beer like this, you know. And then the big, the, the, was the one thing that might, maybe or maybe not a lot of homebrewers use is the rice hulls. That's purely functional. Um, with a grist like this and with the oats, it can be quite tricky to run for the runoff. So we've got wheat. Um, no, no, sorry, we don't have wheat. We have... Uh, the flaked oat malt and I said chocolate wheat earlier on but I must have been mixing up I must have meant the pale chocolate but um, have, yeah having a decent chunk of uh, of oat malt in there means you know, you're know you going to be a bit stickier in your mash so what we've done to remedy that in the last uh, you know in the last couple of months is just to increase our liquor to grist ratio so a bit more water in the in the in the mash um, at the start and running off a little bit extra at the start at the first words and before we start sparging but the rice holds you know, it gives you that little bit of kind of a, kind of a, a structure within the uh, the grist and um, within the the mash when you are loutering. So there is a path for the for the wort to, to filter through. It just helps that fil- the, fil- the filter through the bed, the grain bed. Um, it still takes time. You only know, need to just kind of nice and steady with it. Um, but yeah, it's just an additional aid to that. But it, it's something that I think will help home brewers as well. Um, we have like a, a louter ton, so it's. You have rakes and a, and a false bottom. Most home brewers and most guys say traditional breweries, two vessels would be more of a floating mash, as whereas ours is an actual set bed. And we're using, um, we have a, even like a pump that starts to draw it out. So you do get a bit more of a compressed bed with our style over maybe what most home brewers would use. Um, and also home brewers maybe aren't quite as obsessed with the time of things as, as we would because we don't want to be here all day and all night you know, to do these beers. <laughs> Have other beers to make as well, so you know that's the uh, that the, the the rice hulls do do help with that, you know. And then um, the liquid trisulfate is just it's just a sugar, you know, with the with the a complex um, grist bill like this. You're depending on how the louder process goes, it can vary from good to bad. So the the amount of extract that you get is uh is variable as well so we just have a little bit of sugar if, if we need to just get the gravity just up that last point or two um you know it's you know, it may be a bit of a cheat but you got so much depth of flavor in the in in the grist bill adding a little bit of sugar at that stage for consistency is is no i, I feel there's no issue with that i suppose then onto our hops then we, we again you've touched on these already but um we're looking at so our uh, bravo for our bittering hops Mm-hmm. And then the Sriracha Ace, as you touched on. The, uh, the, like we spoke with kind of in depth about Sriracha Ace, but there's one thing that we do in this beer and, and most of our beers with our Whirlpool edition. So we like to have a good Whirlpool edition on most of our beers. 
Um, but what we're what we do and have been doing for a while now is going into the whirlpool at a lower temperature. So you'll see in the right up in the top right, I have a whirlpool WP at eighty eight degrees. So usually we're between eighty five and eighty nine degrees is the temperature in our in the whirlpool. So we're bringing the temperature down, so you're getting more preservation of a lot of the the flavor and and aroma volatile compounds, and getting less bitterness pickup. So you're sacrificing some bitterness for conserving some of those aromas and flavors that you might be lost that might be lost at the higher temperature. So this is something we do with pretty much all our beers, because you know in the whirlpool we're adding hops for. To, 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 the heat is great for extracting the, the, the oils and getting at those flavors and compounds that are in the hops but then it's also detrimental to their survivability in the beer uh, in the wort so we go in at that lower temperature just to try and find that balance to get a bit more out of our our, uh, our hop charge um, and it does it work like we've been doing it for well, a good while now and we it makes a, a good it makes an, an, a very noticeable difference compared to say just adding hops and we don't dry hop this beer, but adding hops later on in the process and dry hopping, it's a very different flavor that you're getting and different varieties of hops um, act differently in both areas. You know, But this cold world, there's a lot of research now coming out about survivable compounds that, you know, all these nice compounds that are in hops, that are in the wort, but then do they get to the final beer and what varieties are good at where, which is, you know, um, not so much in this beer, but definitely on the hoppier beers, we do look at that very closely in terms of what varieties we add, uh, we add where, you know, and what combinations we uh, we use. So, so we're going into the whirlpool after an hour's boil. We do that first hop charge at the start of the boil, the Bravo, just to give us our base bitterness, nothing else for the rest of it. And then for the um, uh, for the whirlpool, it's a Sriracha Ace at that cold temperature. And then, so whirlpool for 20 minutes, then we cast out at 19 degrees to, uh, to the FB. And for pitching, uh, we use uh, LAX from Wicklow Hops Company. Um, uh, you know, great yeast, kind of. We substitute that for USO5 quite a while ago, and they're literally around the corner from the brewery. I mean, like literally around the corner. So we, it's like we regularly will start brewing. Go, we don't have enough yeast, and text Philip and go, Philip, can you get yeast to us in the next three hours? And he's like, Yeah, no problem. So we get very lazy with ordering, but yeah, you know, it's great. To, it's great to have those guys around the corner. Handy. <laughs> Uh, that's it yeah uh, yeah and that, that's it like once, once it's into the tank there's, we don't do anything else we just ferment it out um, you know it'll usually take five six seven days um, give it a little bit longer just make sure any diac is mopped up and cleared up and we'll then just uh, drop the temperature right down to, to zero or minus one okay brilliant brilliant uh, you touched on it there on the yeast as well so LAX it's, yeah. that's similar to like USO5 or 1056 kind of a clean fermenting west coast yeah. And ALE, yeah, okay, perfect, yeah. So, if anyone's looking for some sort of substitute, but um, yeah, yeah, that's it. Just something that's you know, kind of middle of the road, doesn't really pack a massive ester punch. It's very reliable, very dependable, and you know it allows the ingredients in the in the work to shine through. And then, yes, fermenting to um, within what point zero two of final gravity. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, we're usually we're usually either at sixteen, sixteen, and eighteen. Yeah, at the end, you know, and that that's pretty pretty consistent. Usually, maybe a little bit on 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 the higher seventeen, eighteen, but you know, it can it can vary. Um, but yeah, it gives you enough sweetness and, and body left in the beer, um, to, to help balance out some of the the more roasty flavors and give us that smooth mouthfeel. Then just just one thing, I suppose, to to touch on. Then let's say what you're going in on the morning of a brew day. It's time to to go through the your your, your mashing uh, schedule. So we've got four steps here. Yeah. So. What's going on here, I suppose, at each stage? and um... Yeah, so we've got quite a complex uh, grist bill. 
Um, so we want to make sure that we're actually able to run it off and we want to get the extract that we want to get from the uh, from the beer. So, you know, we're, start, we're mashing in quite low so we can, you know, we can have some some enzymes working on the proteins and kind of make the, 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 the mash a little bit less uh, gummy and sticky. And then we also we want to get good extract from the from the from the beer from experience. I know that you know these heavier grist bills like this, your extract efficiency is not going to be quite as good. So you're kind of trying to give yourself as much of uh, a chance as you can to to uh, break down the, break down the, the sugars and, and and really be able to get at them and, and get them out into the into the work. So you end up with a, you know a decent uh, a decent decent start in gravity in the kettle. So we go through you know it maybe a little bit overkill with the with the mash regime that we have, but we have the ability to do it and to do it very easily. So, you know, I wouldn't be obsessive about this from a home viewer's point of view, but I would start relatively low. If you have the ability to, you know, to adjust temperature, I would start at that 54 just to give yourself a chance to really break down the, the, the more gummy side of the, the, um, um, the grist bill and makes life a little bit easier and, you know, get at, get at the, the, the extract that's in, that's in the grain. You know, but it's not. It doesn't need to be on a homebrew scale. It wouldn't need to be as as intensive as, as this. Um, for us, we could probably simplify this a little bit more. But you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good, good mantra. That's it. <laughs> and then, so so you're going through your steps. So you've ten minutes at fifty four. Then you're hitting about half an hour at sixty two. Um, another ten at sixty eight, and then fifteen at seventy two. Yeah. So we would mash up. We would do our. Um, our uh, iodine test at uh, 72 um, and then uh, we'll after the 72 we actually we're bringing you see we bring it up to 76 just for mashing off for getting mashing off and into the louter ton and just trying to you know get the temperature up a little bit you know, kill off some of the enzyme activity and then also with the viscosity of the of the of the of the, of the mash from from the amount of extract we have in that higher temperature means it's just a little bit uh, less dense um, and it help, helps with the uh, helps with the runoff. Then um, yeah, one thing stuck out for me as well. It's a, it's an eighty five minute boil on this one. Mm-hmm. So it's one thing actually. I, I could have, I should maybe adjusted for this. Is that the, the kettle that we have? Um, it doesn't boil the whole way through. So it it has different, a couple of different steps where it'll boil say for fifty minutes and then stop. But uh, as it's doing that, it's still recirculating through the vessel. We have like a, a deflection plate, so it recirculates down on that and creates a fan. So it's really good for DMS evaporation and getting DMS out of the beer. Uh, but it means you're doing that, but not having to pump in more gas and more heat. So it's kind of like an energy saving efficiency where your you're, you're, you're work is hot enough. That you're getting the evaporation that you need to really blow up that DMS, but you're not having to keep pumping in uh, steam, you know. So we'll have we have got a couple of breaks like that, which kind of extends the boil out by those extra uh, fifteen minutes or so. Then we are maybe a little bit more than we normally would be. We go for they can say it's seventy minutes of boiling altogether when we have these steps in between where this is happening. It's purely okay, just sure. a, an efficiency uh, an efficiency thing on uh, on our front with the equipment that we have. Um, okay, I never thought of that though in terms of for a homebrew setup. Just keep oh, boiling. If you're homebrew, just keep, don't don't stop and start and stop. Just just boil it. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So so for anyone brewing this at home, then so a boil any boil time between 60, 75 minutes should be spot on, and they, they yeah. can adjust their kind of water as as they need. That's it. Well, it's kind of most people home brewing. They know 
what works with them in terms of how long they need to boil to get, you know, maybe the extract, to, uh, you know, the evaporation that they need, you know, but anyway, anyway, and again, like we have that the hop charge at the start, we don't have a late hop addition. So there's nothing really to worry about there at the end. So it's kind of system specific to kind of get what you think you need, do what you need to do to get the, to hit the specifications that, uh, that we have here. Um, okay. Yeah. And then the water profile, you know, again, everyone has their own, um, you know, their own water that they're dealing with. We're quite lucky where we are in Wicklow, the water is very soft, uh, quite low mineral content. So we run through a carbon filter and then we add back uh, whatever salts we want to get. Out. So in this case, we add back the salts to, to hit this water profile that we're trying to achieve. And you can see it's quite, um, it's, we're kind of leaning more towards the, the, uh, the chloride side slightly. Um, but it's pretty balanced between, you know, sulfate and, and, and chlorides. So, but what we are adding is bicarbonate, and that's just kind of to maybe bring the pH up a little bit to balance the acidity from a lot of the darker moss that we that we have. So you can end up with the 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 the, the pH being quite low, uh, and then be your your final beer can be just a little bit more acrid as a as a result. So it's a bit of bicarb to kind of bring that pH back up, um, but not having to sacrifice anything on the malt front. You know, because you could you could do it malt wise, but it means you might have to play around or lose some of the, that complexity that you have in the malt bill. Whereas, uh, we kind of use a little bit of sodium bicarb to do that and, uh, try and hit the a pH of, uh, 5.2. is what we're looking for around 5.2 to 5.3, um, when casting out. Yeah. Like I, I think that's, that's pretty much us taken through the recipe, uh, in, in full, full detail. So yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> that's uh, absolutely brilliant. It's a gorgeous beer. Like as, as I keep saying, it's absolutely stunning and it's something that, I'd love to have a bash of brewing here myself, so I might I might give it a go now as as my next brew. I, I suppose then just just any final kind of tips. I suppose if anyone was to be let's say the brewing it this weekend or, or over Christmas or whenever, um, anything for them to to any pitfalls to avoid or any tips to that to help them brew it. Um, it's kind of it's one of those beers that's kind of you're at the mercy of the mash. So you know if a lot of a lot of brewers don't have. Uh, homebrewers maybe not, don't have a way of adjusting the grind on their on their malt. A lot of specialty malts, you know, can be end up being ground into a powder, which then it makes it very hard with the with the lautering. It also makes it a little bit more stringent. So it's something to watch. If you can control it, great. You know, it's a it's a good thing. Is not to uh, maybe you know what I've done not specifically for this beer, but maybe for a lot of beers in the past. If that's a worry, you know, mill make sure I mill the or pale malt in one setting, and then maybe uh, loosen out the the grind a little bit just. For the really dark malts, like the brown malts and things that are the the roasted malts and um, chocolate malts, because they can they can shatter a little bit when you're when you're milling and and get ground up a little bit just to try and avoid that uh, that astringency. Um, and then you know I, I would recommend for any home brewers that haven't tried it before is the cold whirlpool. Um, we found a, a big difference. Not so much that it's like you get an, an insane amount more hop flavor. Again, it's a different type. It's different type of flavor. Or profiles that you're getting from dry hops or you're getting from traditional whirlpool or bittering so again it, it adds into the the depth of flavor in, in in any beer um especially with hop forward beers you know it really gives you um a good kind of depth of depth of flavor and it, but in this case with the using the sriracha it really allows that kind of the the, the coconut side of that but that hop to shine through i'd like to thank john for taking the time to join us and i'd like to thank you for listening His extensive background in science, innovation and brewing has no doubt been an invaluable addition to the team at Wicklow Wolf and is evident in the quality of the beers that they release. 
If you'd like to see the Wicklow Wolf Brewery, its tap room is open seven days a week and brewery tours are bookable through their website. As I mentioned at the top of the show, the Apex homebrew recipe is available through the Crack Beer Community website if you'd like to check it out further. And if you do decide to have a go at brewing it yourself, please let us know how you get on with it. The beer community in Ireland is an amazing space full of so many fantastic people. At Crack, we aim to champion independent brewers and everyone else involved in the independent beer scene and support them as best we can. If you'd like to learn more about Crack, you can get involved in the beery discussion at crack-beer-community.ie. It's free to join and always will be. You can also check us out on Twitter, at Crack Community, and on Instagram, at Crack Beer Community. As a final note, if you enjoyed the podcast, then please feel free to rate it, and also subscribe to stay up to date with all of our new releases. So that's it for now. Thanks again for listening, and Sláinte.